Hi there, I'm Lori Hellman, a mom to an incredible young adult son on the autism spectrum. My goal when creating the Living the Sky Life podcast three years ago was that the content of each episode bring hope, connection, and some valuable takeaways to each listener. The special needs parenting village is large, so you should never feel like you have to travel this journey alone. If you haven't already, please connect with me through my website, Facebook page, or Instagram account. And let's keep the conversation going after each episode airs. If you are enjoying the podcast and are listening on Apple iTunes, please leave a rating and written review and share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for tuning in and subscribing to season three of Living the Sky Life. I'm thrilled to have today's guest uh, back for a second time to sit down and chat with me on the podcast. Um, This time is a little bit different, though, than our last discussion. Uh, We're talking about her newly released book that just came out two days ago uh, called Forever Boy. So uh, my guest today, um, I'm sure you can figure out by the title of the book, is uh, Kate Swinson, the founder of Finding Cooper's Voice. I'm sure most of you are familiar with Kate um, in one form or fashion, um, but probably most notably for her um, website and her Facebook page, Finding Cooper's Voice. Um, She also has a nonprofit that she founded called The More Than Project. She is a mother to four kids, a wife, and a proud Minnesotan. Kate writes and creates videos regularly about her life as a mother and an autism advocate for Facebook, Instagram, and of course her website, Finding Cooper's Voice. Um, Her book, as I mentioned, Forever Boy, just came out on the 5th. It's available now to order on Amazon. I think you can also get it at Barnes & Noble and Target online um, and possibly your local bookstores as well. So Kate and I are going to dive into a discussion about the book. I had the opportunity to read it before it was released And um, we unpack some of the things, but we didn't reveal everything because, of course, we want you to read it. So please enjoy my conversation with Kate Swenson. So welcome back to another episode of Living the Sky Life. I'm so excited to sit down with my friend Kate Swenson of Finding Cooper's Voice. Gosh, we recorded, shoot, probably a year ago, I think, um, an episode. And so much has changed in your life. Kids, books, (laughs) a lot of stuff. So I want to unpack all of that. Um, so welcome, welcome back. I'm so glad to talk to you again on here. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Absolutely. Well, um, we are days after the launch of your, the release, I guess, of your um, new book, Forever Boy. Um, I think people have probably been asking you for years to write a book. <laughs> you, you probably could have taken all the blogs you ever wrote, put them into a book and made it a book. But um, your book is phenomenal. I've read it. Uh, cover to cover very quickly. And um, I, I, you know, one of the main questions I had for you um, is why you chose to write a book. You do blog very regularly. I feel like we know so much about your life, but as I learned reading your book, there are a lot of things we didn't know. I didn't know. Um, and that you just revealed now. So why, why did you do that? Why did you reveal more of, the, of yourself? Well, that's kind of a funny question. So when I was approached about writing a book, so my story is a little different. I didn't actually have the idea myself. I was like, I'm not a good enough writer. I never have time. Who would want to read my story? I'm, I'm a very insecure, secure person. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny. And um, so I was approached and I ended up um, getting pitched. 
And the person was like, well, you could just throw your blogs together. It'll be a really easy process. It'll be great. And then when I signed my book deal, uh, so thankful, my publisher was like, we want to know all the new stuff. Yeah. <laughs> we want to know all the stuff that no <laughs> one knows. And I had to really um, go into my vault and like things that I had, I had shoved way down. I think you read the book. You said it's a, it's a, um, it's a tell-all. I mean, it's mm -hmm. really our up and down journey through autism. I like to say Cooper and I settled in together, hand in hand. Both of us were quite thrown for a loop for a long time. And it impacted how I parent my other son. It really impacted my marriage, my career, where we lived. We moved multiple times. And I shared all of that in just hopes that someone else could find one nugget in the story that they could relate to and mm -hmm. just nod their head and be like, I'm not so alone. I went through that too. And I think it's going to do that. I think it is. Yeah, I think it will. And, you know, as we were talking and have talked in the past about every autism story is unique. Every child is unique. But yep. even reading your book, I just, I always find parallels between whether it's how you emotionally handled something, a situation that was so exact to mine, um, or just Cooper's, you know, behaviors or just something that's going on. It's, it's nice to know. I mean, this is like a sick group that we're part of. <laughs> you know, I find sometimes I'm thinking like, I really wish there wasn't anyone that could relate to me because this is a hard life. But on the other hand, it's so nice to know that there are so many people who have been through everything I've been through worse, some not, you know, some different. Um, so I, I know that you get that a ton with your Fighting Cooper's Voice page, I'm sure. Well, and that's why I created it. Um, it the, really, honestly, the simple reason was I wanted to find one other family like mine, mm -hmm. one. Because we really felt like we were the only family that had a child with severe nonverbal autism. Because even when we did initially find peers and families, um, and, and Cooper was more severely affected. And, and I think you can relate to that a lot. You know, you're suddenly you find your group and you don't fit in there either. And that was a very, I mean, like extra isolating and extra lonely place because I was like, well, where do we fit in now? So that's why I created my page. And I've, and yes, every story is unique, but I have found you for one. I mean, just Ronnie, another one. I just relate to you two so much because we've walked a similar path. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, it, and it, it does help. And it's, you know, that's the resource I hoped to be because I'm 10 years ahead of you guys or nine years ahead of you guys. And um if there's anything that I've gone through, like future planning and stuff, and you're like, Ooh, I haven't done that yet. Like, tell me this. And that's what I'm here for. I wish finding Cooper's voice would have been around, you know, when Skylar was diagnosed, but uh, Cooper wasn't even born yet. <laughs> that wasn't a possibility. Um, but I, that's the one thing I love about, you know, your page and just all the people I've met on there um, with, ha with, they have children that are in their twenties and thirties, and they have taught me so much. Me too. So and, much. And the thing that I have been saying a lot lately in my real life is if someone would have shown me, and I'll just name some of the kids, Alex Schleter and um, mm -hmm. Isaac, if someone would, and these are two adults with autism in their 20s, um, living great lives. And uh, if someone would have shown them to me when Cooper was three, I would have been like, okay. You know, mm -hmm. but instead it was this like great big unknown. And that's why bringing parents of younger kids together with parents of older kids, it's a life-changing experience because suddenly you can see a future mm -hmm. and it's not so scary. It's not so dark. It's not so secret, right? 
And you also find yourself in those people, because like you said, I'm still going through phases, um, you know, with Skylar, I, I found my people initially at his um, special needs daycare and things like that. But then those kids gradually acquired mm-hmm. skills like toileting and different things that Skylar didn't. And now we're, you know, a week away from his 19th birthday. Um, and it's like, I- I'm still left behind. I- those people have all gotten maybe jobs and they're working on transitioning into, <clears throat> you know, an, an adult plan um, that's not day services. And I don't, I can't relate to that. I don't know what that's like. So I'm having to dig a little deeper and find more of my people, you know, yeah. <laughs> hopefully yeah. through your page <laughs> or somewhere else. Um, well, you know, when you were writing the book, I'm sure in addition to the stories that you've shared about Cooper, and then, you know, you said you get into more personal things about your marriage and all of that. What did you learn anything about yourself that you maybe didn't realize? Well, I, sh- so I kind of mentioned this before, I have an, and this may be a controversial thing to say, but I have a lot of PTSD <laughs> over some of the things that happened and not Cooper. I want to be clear. Like, I think that there needs to be a distinction there, but it was really the battles with, to get services and get supports and with the schools and for people to believe me, we, we encountered a lot of dead ends with like, oh, he's not autistic or he's just a late bloomer. He's a boy. You're a first time mom. And, you know, much like Skylar Cooper and had some medical things and it's like, no one believed us. And I felt like this crazy person, like standing in a room screaming, like he's right there, help him. So when I started writing, I dug up all this old, these old feelings and emotions. And, and I did have my blogs as a guidepost, but the, it all came back. So I realized how much we really went through and mm-hmm. how we should be really proud of ourselves because we are, um, we're standing and we're thriving and we've given this kid this amazing life that he will, you know, and we're going to set him up with an amazing life. So I actually felt so sad mm-hmm. at everything that we went through, but then so proud that we made it. Mm-hmm. And if I could tell that to a parent of a three-year-old, you're going to make it, you're going to make it just keep going. Yeah. Um, what else did I learn? Just a, how much parents go through. And that's a really con- a misconception. Like, oh, you know, it's, it can't be that hard. You fight for everything, every, you fight for busing, you fight for a doctor to look in their ears, you fight for so many different things. And even payments, we got no insurance help for years and years and years. Did we? Yeah. Like you can't, yeah. I mean, yes. And then I remember one funny revelation in the book was how, you know, you don't want it to be autism and then you need it to be autism and then you need it to be real autism because you need to get help. Like you just kind of keep making these circles as you go. Uh, it's a 180 all the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. One of the things you mentioned in there was new to me, honestly, after 19 years, I hadn't really heard it this way, but you mentioned that there's a difference between, um, or you were told there was a difference between a medical autism diagnosis yep. and one, I guess, for school purposes. And I'm like, really? <laughs> because the only experience I had with that was um, in his like preschool classes, I guess they said he couldn't he wasn't entitled to services like speech or anyone to come in um, because of his PDD NOS diagnosis. They said you need the autism diagnosis for services to be allowed to come into the school and work with him. And I'm like, huh? But then, (laughs) so then once he got the diagnosis, they wanted to isolate him 
into a totally different classroom at like age five. So I, I just, I don't know that anybody has it, has it right. (laughs) Well, and that was, so we were actually encountering that now with, and it's the same thing. It's just a different scale. Our son, our second son um, is struggling with reading from being out of school for two years and just very much Mm -hmm. behind. So um, went through all the testing and they're like, he did not get a diagnosis of ADHD, but they're like, if he did, it's just educational. So it's not medical. And I was like, Oh, I'm back to this. I was like trauma. Um, um, it's so what that means is for anyone that's listening is your child can get, you know, autism services in school, but not have the official diagnosis, or they can have the official diagnosis and maybe it's, you know, um, higher functioning and don't need supports in schools. They don't speak to each other. And I think that's odd. It is odd because, and I don't know the answer or why. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you would have thought they would have figured some of this out by now with so many examples of kids to reference. Um, that is very odd. Well, you bring up, um, Sawyer, which it's, it's funny too, to me, because I know your family and you have four children, but when you're writing the book, were you pregnant yet with Winnie or no? no. Uh, Oh yes. Yes. While writing it, but she didn't make it in. (laughs) I know she's going to regret that one day. She's going to say, Hey, I was in your belly. You could have at least said. <laughs> I changed my um, my acknowledgement in the beginning. Yeah. Actually, my publisher emailed me and they're like, do you want to add Winnie in? And I was like, oh, yes, I do. <laughs> She'll resent me. Um, well, you know, with Cooper being your first and Skylar, my first child, the only thing I knew when my daughter Kendall entered the world was how to parent Skylar's way. You know, he never crawled. He walked late. And so um, I think you've referenced many times before that Sawyer was quite advanced, as was Kendall. It seems odd. It's such a weird conundrum because, you know, you hear you've got a child that's still not doing any of the things that they should, you know, quote, quote unquote, should be doing by four and five. And then you've got your youngest at the time far surpassing those milestones. So with each child that you've added, that sounds bad, (laughs) with Harper after Sawyer and then now Winnie, how are you finding that your parenting has to shift with each of the child's personalities and needs, I guess. So I talk a lot in the book about, so actually when the books came in the mail, the the hardcovers came in the mail, I told Sawyer that the book was about him because there's a lot of Sawyer in there. There is. Yeah. And, and, And he was, Sawyer was my rock. He, he pulled me out of, um, the autism world and kept me in, I always say it's two different worlds and I've learned to straddle them, but he's, he kept me in, this world because he needed me he needed me to play and he needed me to do and go to parks and but i have a lot of guilt still to this day that i'm i'm working through from those early years because you know friday friday three o'clock came and we locked the doors and we couldn't leave again till monday and um, if he did go somewhere he went with other people and i would set up play dates and send him with aunts and uncles and i have a lot of guilt about that and i and he had, had and has an amazing life but it's something that I feel still to this day. And now with him struggling a little bit with reading, I was like, I can tell you countless hours I spent on the floor with Cooper, teaching him what his shoes were and how Mm -hmm. to hold a fork. And it's like, did I forget to teach him his letters? I mean, I, you know, it's like, cause everything came so natural to him. He just, Mm -hmm. um, that's one of the the biggest distinctions I say between raising autism and neurotypical is, um, a neurotypical child learns by seeing and just watching and observing and Cooper had to be taught everything. And I would, I did that. And I think at what I kind of missed out on some of the Sawyer stuff. 
So I have a little guilt about that. He's amazing now. I mean, he has no issues. He's a hockey player and uh, full of friends and a great life. And then we took a long time off because, spoiler alert, my husband and I got divorced and got remarried. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> I go into depth in the book. So um, have fun with that. If you yeah, you're going to have to read it to know the details. <laughs> yeah. And then we had two more kids. So Harbor is three and Winnie is 10 months old. And Gosh. I feel like I am parenting brand new because even if Sawyer did have terrible twos or threes, they never were anything near what was mm -hmm. happening. So I don't even remember. This is funny. We actually remember his one and only tantrum he had because we were at the <laughs> this water park that we were at recently and we we're like, remember that tantrum that Sawyer had when he was three here? <laughs> and that was like the only thing we ever remember him having. And now I have a, a just a wild three-year-old. He's wild. so cute though. It's so hard to be mad at oh him. <laughs> he is the best thing ever. And he exhausts me. And um, I'm like, was Sawyer like this? I'm like, oh my gosh, I have no idea. And then, then a girl after three boys. So I feel like a brand new parent. And, yeah. and I, I also want to add one other funny thing that kind of comes full circle. I'm going through the nine-year-old emotions right now and the terrible threes. And I'll tell you, Cooper's looking like an angel sitting over there on his iPad because I, he's, I just, it's like, you know, he's just happy to be around. He's a little tween and he's doing his own thing. And it's not as, it's way different than emotional hardness. I'll tell you that. Mm -hmm. Oh man. Well, you know, it's interesting too, because obviously each of our kids is unique as well. And it seems to me like, um, the exposure that I've had to Sawyer is that he is such a, um, just a, just an old soul and just such a lover, you know, just wants to be a peacemaker and a fixer. And he, you know, kind of takes on that role of protecting his mama and his brother and mm -hmm. everybody. And then Harbor is the more adventurous one. If, if that's how you want to call it, spirited, he's, at least spirited, Lori. he's very spirited. <laughs> and, um, you know, and it's so, it's going to be so neat to see what Winnie, how her personality fits in with everyone, because I, I feel like everybody is put into a family that's supposed to be there and, and everything about them is supposed, it makes the family whole. Can you imagine your life without Winnie? Oh my gosh. No, no. I mean, she, she just rounds out the family. Yeah. What I've been noticing is, so, um, I always say like, you know, we've really settled into autism. I like to use that phrase because it was so, you know, hard at first and Cooper has really just figured out who he is too. And he loves being home. Mm -hmm. We just recently moved. He loves our house. He's so happy here. And he's he, Cooper's the big presence in the sense he always has five blankets and three iPads going and lots of things. And he's just a big presence in our home. And he's really our nucleus. Like we come and go around him. Mm -hmm. He waits for us at the window. He's so happy. He loves when we leave, I think, and he gets some quiet time away from us because we're a lot. And it's funny if someone would have told me that three, you know, or 10 years ago that, you know, Cooper would really be the center of our home. I don't know if I would have believed it, mm -hmm. but it's, it's, it's great how it all works out. Yeah. There. And, and even, you know, just the fear of having another child, you know, I, I know you guys went through that too. And mm -hmm. I just, I, I say it all the time. I just can't imagine my life would be very balanced if I didn't have Kendall. Like there's so many things that she has taught me too, just about myself and about being a parent because you are split into two parts. I mean, I'm getting ready to take her to college visits on spring break next week. 
And I'm like, oh my gosh, like everything I'm doing with her is the first time. And you'll experience yeah. that too. And already have in some degree with Sawyer and then with each of your other kids too. And that's a blessing and a curse because it, again, is going to bring up all the emotions of, oh man, I should be doing this the second time. And I should be able to say to her, Hey, when your brother and I were at this college, we did this and I can't, and I try really hard not to compare at all and cheapen her experience, you know, because it's all about her. Yes. Yes. And that's, that's the milestone stuff that's, that still sneaks up on you every once in a while. Yeah. I just talked about, um, I was doing something and, oh, I was reading from my book, um, about friendships. I did a presentation on friendships the other day and I was talking about when my friend's kids, you know, start driving and when they, um, the college applications, you know, or whatever mm -hmm. start coming, that's going to be a whole new pain. And I just was saying to these women, like, you know, give your friends that have special needs kids some grace because that's opening up a whole new part, a whole mm -hmm. new thing. Yeah. But at least, you know, there's, there's things that you get to do with Cooper that, um, I mean, I try to, now that Sky was getting older, I try to look at the things that Kendall has long surpassed needing me for that he still needs me. And it is nice as mm -hmm. awful as it is that I'm still, you know, helping him in the bathroom and helping him do all the things. It's still nice to be needed. <laughs> you know, they're not, they're not all going to grow up and leave the home and all of that. I mean, it'd be nice, but I'm trying to I've find the joy. Say <laughs> like you say. Me. Yeah. They're like, um, you know, there's, there's beauty and there's sadness and never having an empty nest. Like there's, there's both, you know, mm -hmm. and I, I, I really try to focus on the joy, like you just said. And I think about a lot about actually like Sawyer and Harbor and Winnie coming home with their families for Christmas. And like, I can't even tell you how excited Cooper's going to be. Like he just love, I mean, we were, had a family getaway with some extended family last weekend. He counted down for 60 days because he was so <laughs> excited 60 days to be with our family. So he's going to lose his mind when there is this huge full house of people. And I, I, I'm holding on to that, those joys. I think that's, they're there, they're there for a reason. Mm -hmm. And we can learn from, from them. You know, I think at the end of your book, um, you had mentioned something about, um, just, you know, sharing stories. And obviously again, that's, that's a huge part of finding Cooper's voice for all the rest of us to be able to share our experiences, but, um, that people don't have to write a book or, or write blogs if they're not comfortable writing for others. But, um, just in the writing process, I mean, don't you think it's been extremely helpful for you to have documented in some way, whether you journaled or you kept folders of just everything that you've gone through, because it, it really tells you where you've come. There are cycles of life that um, people talk about all the time that, you know, when, when Cooper was, um, you know, just kind of a tornado in a room and you guys yeah. just were like beside yourself with the damage and all of this stuff you think in that moment, this is, I, how can I do this? I can't do this for 50 years. Like this mm -hmm. is just, I, yeah. this is just going to wear me out. And eventually <laughs> sometimes they move on to other things that are bad, but it's like, yeah. they move on to something else and you completely forget about that period until you unpack it. Like you wait 10 years and you look back at that and you're like, oh my gosh, we mm -hmm. survived that. Mm -hmm. I can survive this and I'll survive the next thing, whatever it is that I don't know yet. Well, I think the most important, there's a saying that's like the child you have right now, isn't the child you're going to have 10 years from now. Right. And I always have people challenge that. And they're like, well, what if my child's never potty trained or what if they never start to sleep? But here's the thing. They are going to change things. Behaviors are going to change. Strengths are going to change. I mean, all of this, like we, 
And I actually have some fond memories now of things that used to drive me insane. Like we have <laughs> memories of eating with headlamps on because Cooper wouldn't allow us to have any lights on. You I mentioned that. We were so pissed. Now we laugh about it. Like he used to, um, he loved family photos and it was actually super endearing because he wrecked all my albums, not endearing, but he would communicate, like when I was pregnant, he carried around hundreds of baby photos. Like he was just so excited, but couldn't communicate it. And then there were times we'd find photos from other people's houses or their offices, or, I mean, I'd be like, who is this? Like, who's this at Disney? Like weird, you know, <laughs> so funny. Or he'd bring pictures of me, like in labor to school and people would be like, we saw a photo of you, Mrs. Swenson. And I was like, oh, okay. So it was flattery. Um, oh, great. But so now I look back at some of those things that I thought were going to break me. And I'm like, oh, that was actually mm-hmm. really cute. <laughs> like, so it's, they are, we are not frozen in time and mm-hmm. we are works of progress. So I really do think our kids grow and change. Well, and I think too, that that's one, um, it's another perspective to look at, um, of everything that your child is doing. We're, we're always the parents who've been through this a while and you included in that have, have always said, you know, try not to bombard your kids and try to fix them or try to catch them up or do all of these things and to truly enjoy even the hard stuff every single day. And find something. Yeah. If you find something because you will look back on it and go, Oh my gosh, he was communicating this whole time. And then you exploit that. And you're like, Oh my gosh. Okay. If he likes pictures and he likes videos and he likes all of this stuff, you've really advanced his skill in that. And you guys, the communication is night and day what it was even a few years ago. Right. Yes. So I, you know, I don't know when I actually had a Facebook memory come up from like two years ago and it said something on my personal page and it said something about Cooper coming in and I was napping and he was going "Mm, mm, mm," for mom. And it didn't, it actually didn't dawn on me for a long time, like hours that he was saying mom because he, he had no verbal communication then. Now he has I would say he has like 15 to 20 words. Mm -hmm. You may not understand them and you kind of have to pull them out of them. So like he may point to the chicken nuggets and then he'll say, you know, so he has that he has, he communicates with a speech device, sign language, sounds, gestures. So, um, we have functional communication, but as a mom, you understand what we want is what's inside, you know, what Mm -hmm. are you thinking? What are you, what are you, what are your hopes and dreams? We don't have a lot of that, uh, but we're, we're crawling along Mm -hmm. and I'm, and I am so thankful that he can communicate those needs now because Mm -hmm. that reduced so many behaviors and aggression and self-injuring. So communication makes things better. And you, you know, you, you're looking down that all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm always trying to to find out something out about what's going on inside of that head of his, but, um, yeah. And I think you can't look backwards, right. Um, at things we should, I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of saying this more times than I, um, would like to admit, but just, man, I wish I would have, I wish I would have realized that or noticed that, you know, in your book, you talk about, and on the, um, Facebook group, you've talked about too, uh, medication and, um, just how that just wasn't something on your radar. And I don't want any parents ever feel like, oh man, if I would have gone that route three years ago, maybe I wouldn't have had to take them kicking and screaming out of every single event or whatever. 
Maybe, maybe not though. Cause I mean, Skylar's been on the gamut of different meds, different times. They work for a little bit then they don't, we switch to something else at that age. He might not have been ready for it and it might not have worked as effectively as it did three years from then. So you just should never beat yourself about stuff like that. I didn't know if that ever came, you know, as soon as you guys saw some relief with some of his anxiety with medications, if you had that thought like, man, I wish I would have done this, you know, long ago or. uh Oh, yes. I did have that. I did that. Mm -hmm. Have that feeling. So we started Cooper on meds around age eight after our third son was born because he had just real spike in aggression and unsafe behaviors, which I don't talk publicly a lot about, but I do talk about in the book. Mm -hmm. I just get nervous telling that side of his story because I don't want anyone to ever think Cooper is a monster or a bad kid or a naughty kid he was really struggling and, but it was hard on our family too. So there's both. And we saw huge relief, right? Like 24 hours from starting Prozac. Like we saw his anxiety drop and he was just a much happier kid. Where I have a lot of guilt is not knowing that he had ear infections and chronic constipation and things that were making him so uncomfortable for, and looking back, I think he was uncomfortable in pain for a lot of years, but he couldn't tell me and no Mm -hmm. one would help us. So I try to tell myself when we know better, we do better. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know I did the best with what I could at the time. Yes. But it's still hard. There are babies. (laughs) It is hard. You know, I was just thinking um, when I read that section about Harbor, um, it never dawned on me until now, but um, do you wonder if maybe, you know, Sawyer was Cooper's best friend and it was his only brother for the longest time. Do you think part of him was a little concerned, like, oh, there's another one and Sawyer loves babies and he loves everybody. Do you think he was concerned that Sawyer might, you know, have, have a new brother to hang with? And so I don't, and I'll tell you why Cooper is, he's so, um, he's such a hard person to describe because he's a huge loner. So, I mean, I think it's pretty common. Like he's a huge loner, Mm -hmm. but when he wants to play, he wants to play. And his playing is like wrestling, swimming, <laughs> driving his the people in his life crazy. He just really enjoys picking on me. Like he'll poke at me and tease me and tickle me. But I almost saw it as like, this is going to sound really strange, but it almost seemed like when Harbor got here, there was this relief for everyone that he was here. And Sawyer no longer felt lonely. And he, he had told me that he felt lonely for sure. a long time. Mm-hmm. And Cooper Cooper had a big spike in behaviors. I think it was um, me. Um, Harbor pulled me away. Oh, that so makes sense. I had a realization when Harbor was like two months old that I hadn't sat next to Cooper because Cooper was afraid of the baby. So Cooper wouldn't come near him for months. And every night Cooper and I were always together. We would sit by each other. And once Harbor got here, I wasn't able to do that. And it, you know, we talk what we realize things. I was sitting there one day and I was nursing and I was like, I don't remember the last time I've held Cooper. And, and, um, we were in a therapy center at the time. And I was, I talked to them and they're like, make sure you give baby to dad and just make, because Cooper can't ask for it. Mm-hmm. He can't say, I need a hug. So that that helped a lot. And that goes back to what you were saying. Like, we have to be mind readers and we have to like sleuth through information that so anyone else could tell us. Like Sawyer saying, I, I was lonely, mom. Mm-hmm. I don't know if, yeah. Did Cooper have that same reaction with Winnie or not because he's he's feeling better in, internally now than he was then? Well, 
so what's funny is it took Cooper like three months or two months. I get it fuzzy now, but to like touch Harper's hair. Like he walked by one time and like touched his hair and like giggled. <laughs> yeah. And then I have a video where unprompted he kissed Harper. And Harper Aww. wasn't sitting up yet. So it was in six months. Um, and now him and Harper are good buddies in the sense that they'll go downstairs and just be naughty together. <laughs> and they think each other is really funny. So they make a mess and they laugh. Oh, and we let it happen because it's play. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's fine. He has still not really acknowledged Winnie. Uh, doesn't care at all about her. Doesn't care when she cries. So I mean, doesn't get upset. That's good. Doesn't, yep. Um, and she, so she's crawling now. So in the last week, she gets right up in his business. I mean, Cooper is like um, a child's dream. He has like three iPads playing and a little mini TV and blankets and cookies. And he's just like, a, and he looks like this adorable, you know, teddy bear. So when he's like up, like pulling on his face and he's like, he won't do anything to her. He's Aww. the gentle giant. So he has come so far like i'm so proud of him um that that he's come so far and i'm so excited to see how far he goes mm-hmm. i tell- think winnie oh, i think winnie's gonna get up in his business she's a girl <laughs> and she's gonna be like you will play with me sir and you will and i'm like i'm here for it like, she is gonna be a tough broad <laughs> i know with, with those boys <laughs> raising her it's like man I never had brothers. I kind of wish I did. <laughs> That'd be yeah. tougher. <laughs> yeah. Do you have those conversations with Cooper? I, I found that in the last five years or so, especially since we started spelling with Skylar and I, I've witnessed how intelligent he is. Not that I never thought he was smart, but you know, people toss around with autism, intellectual disability, and they just yeah. assume that cognitively our kids that autism affects every kid and they don't understand what's going on around them and all of that stuff. And I was guilty of not knowing his age level of cognition, I guess is a way to say it. But, um, now, I mean, like I said, in the past five years or so, I have those conversations with Skylar, that same ones I do with Kendall. Like I would tell him, I'm so proud of you for the way that you, you know, whatever handled such a situation. So do you tell Cooper, like, you're so great with your sister and all that stuff. Yeah, I figured you'd Oh, absolutely. So yeah. And I don't, so that's, that's such a really good point. So I like to talk about, I made a lot of mistakes in the beginning, um, social media wise and parenting wise and all that stuff. And one of the things that I used to do was talk about Cooper in front of him. Um, because I, I would, in the same sense that I would talk about Sawyer at age three mm-hmm. or Harbor at age three, but then I, I didn't stop as he got older and I should have. So I'm really good about that now. Um, like if we have a medical professional come over here or a social worker and they're like, Hey, let's talk about the tough parts now. I'm like, Cooper, why don't you head out and watch mm-hmm. a movie or something? Because he doesn't need to hear all that. I wouldn't Mm-mm. do that to Sawyer. So I think I, I do so much better with that now. And then absolutely praising him. Oh my gosh. And I talk to him like an 11 year old boy Mm -hmm. in so many ways. You'll hear me say in my videos all the time. I'm like, and I do it lovingly, but I'm like, you're 11. You can do this. Giggle, you know, like you can do this. Mm -hmm. And he may need help. One of our big things right now is making his own snacks. Yeah. He needs a lot of help. Very um, tough, fine motor. And, but um, we'll do hand over hand. 
and we'll do it. And I'll just tease him. I'm like, you're old enough. And then he'll laugh. He mm-hmm. understands. Yeah. I, I mean, he, he's skating by on letting mom do stuff for him. And I'm like, pull it together, buttercup. Like yeah. you're getting work in here. Yeah. I'm impressed with him. Um, I don't know what he was doing in a video recently. He was um, making, was it popcorn in the microwave or something? Just oh, understanding like you were like, push this button and he, you know, do it. I, I just, I don't know if I'm there yet with Skyler, but I keep trying. And I, and like you, I keep making him fork his own food. Even if I'm holding his wrist, yep. I used to fork the food, set the fork down and then he'd pick it up. And I'm like, yes. bro, you're 19. Like yes. you fork the food yourself. So one of my dreams, and if someone wants to make this idea alert, idea alert, I want a microwave that has pictures that I can put pictures on. I think Cooper could push a button for pop, like a picture of popcorn, like uh-huh. a pex thing yeah. or chicken nuggets or whatever. I don't know if he'll ever be able to independently use it because I don't know what he would do if something went wrong, yeah. like a fire or something mm-hmm. like that. But if he could get it out of the freezer what he'll do now is he'll get the chicken nuggets out of the freezer and bring me that in a plate and like set it on my lap. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm like, no. And then he'll go back in, you know, but I, I, I push Cooper a lot because he is a really smart person mm-hmm. and he's very capable. He's also very spoiled. So, um, I push him whenever I can and I'm guilty of being lazy and just doing it myself. Yeah. But it's easier. <laughs> Like Alex Schleter, our friend Amy's son, mm-hmm. you know, he's in his 20s and she he is doing so much independently and he lives in their basement mm-hmm. and um, has a great life. And I'm like, oh, that's goals. goals. Yeah. I would love to have Skylar alone in our basement. I can't leave him alone in the living room with me standing next to him. Yeah. <laughs> At this yeah. point, it's, it's quite frightening. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, I just I love watching Cooper grow up. Um and I'm just, I'm so grateful. I know millions of people are too, that you just were vulnerable and you just made that yeah. post. And then, you know, people found you and you've really connected a lot of autism families and caregivers. I mean, you know, grandparents, I know you've got the gamut of people Lots that of are asking you questions and things. Um, and I just, I love that. Um, so now that you've written the book and people know more about you, <laughs> yes. what, what do you think, um, do you have plans for the future of Finding Cooper's Voice and, and your story aside from just, you know, not just because it's a huge deal, but connecting people? Is there anything else that you want to think about branching into or? Yep. So anyone that is on social media knows that there's positives and there's negatives. And <laughs> yeah, social media can be um, a really, you know, hard thing for families like ours that share our lives. And it's not always necessarily like super mean things, but like I always say, like I get like lovingly scolded like 20 times a day for like <laughs> Winnie's car seat to yes, holding her too much. I oh my yes. gosh, I'm like, oh, it gets wearing. So I decided, um, I think it's been maybe six months now that I needed to fill my cup up, like I needed something, yeah. That was different. So my friend Amanda and I launched a nonprofit called the More Than Project. And I'm going to pour my heart and soul into that. And that's really focusing on the family that supports the special needs person as a whole. So, um, or the people. So think teachers, caregivers, moms, dads, siblings, bus drivers, whoever it may be. And we're really just going to raise money and we're going to give it back to the community. Mm -hmm. And, And all these different fun ways. We have a project coming up. 
um, where we found this company, it's called the Spotlight Co. And a woman, a therapist runs it and she hires at livable wages, um, young adults with disabilities to make beautiful bracelets and how she teaches them how to make them. Like they look at visuals and make the bracelets. Aww, yeah. So we created a, um, I am more a bracelet. It's beautiful. We're going to sell that around mother's day, hopefully make all kinds of money and it put a hundred percent of the profits we're going to give to teachers and we're going to build sensory corners with fun and function in these schools. So like things like this, see how I get all excited. Yeah. Like I'm so excited because I need to, um, I need to do things like this mm -hmm. and remember that there's so much more than just social media likes and follows. And I want to give back. Yeah, I totally get that. And um, I mean, you're brave because it can be really, really hurtful and cruel and judgmental. And it's easy for someone mm -hmm. to see one clip and think your whole life is different than it is or easy or not easy, whatever. Um, yeah. I, I love that. And I, I, um, like you, I just, I want to give back and I'm, I'm in a weird stage because it's the adult stuff now. And I'm like, it just yes. is so unfortunate that we still live in this country where people don't have anything after 22 in most States. It's like everything dries up and they just assume that, you know, their, well, their children are their parents problem at, for the rest of their lives. And we have to figure it out on our own. And I, well, don't you feel so much pressure? Like um, so I'm having an event in May with 150 special needs moms and I have Jackie Moore mm -hmm. from Jordan's Summer Shirt yep. Project. She created a business for her daughter. I love it too. And it's thriving. Mm -hmm. But like, I feel a lot of pressure and I don't know if that's where my heart is. So I don't know if my heart is like starting a business so Cooper can work at it, but it's like, that can't be the only option. Yes. So I'll say to Cooper, I'm like, dude, you're not sitting on my couch for the rest of your life. And he'll laugh, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, what do you want to do? And he'll tell me, choo, choo. And I'm like, okay. And then I'm like, am I going to be riding a train <laughs> in my, in my golden years? But I don't, I don't have answers yet. And, um, it's a really big puzzle and to figure out. And it's scary. It is scary, but hopefully, um, we can start making some headway and then pass the torch. <laughs> And we have to finish keep it. talking. I and know. I like your book, my book, you know, um, even if you don't have autism in your life, give it to a grandparent, give it to a teacher or a therapist or an elected official, right? Mm -hmm. And I've done I that. Think, <laughs> yeah, I think my book is really a story of hope and it shows it the disparities and the fears and the worries. Mm -hmm. And it's like we have to keep talking about autism and we can't be silenced. Like, yeah, I know it's scary, but we we have to keep talking. Yes. And I, I concur. I think your book, in addition to all of those groups, I think it's especially important for teachers, any teacher, every teacher should get your book as a gift. Um, because there's so much in there when you talk about from preschool to present day yeah. and just, if they could just see it from a parent's eyes you know, yeah. and going yeah. into these rooms that have, when you were describing that, I'm like, oh my God, that's Styler 2AT. I mean, here, these teachers have everything all organized for the first day and bins of crayons. And I'm, all I am doing is panicking, thinking how quickly is he going to make it to that one, that one and dump them over. Um, it's, it, it literally gives me a panic attack taking I anywhere PTSD yeah. over our preschool visit. I mean, he dumped so many crayons and like, yeah. and then, I mean, and I think every parent that in our world can remember the first time, like an outsider looks to us and it's like, 
expecting us to know why this is happening and make it stop. And it's like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing either. Like I'm scared and I'm, this is hard, you know? Well, and it's still that, that, um, that other look that we get or glance that we get where <laughs> I've seen parents hug their kids a little tighter and pull them a little closer when Scott oh, and I are coming. Yes. And I'm like, yes. he's not going to maul your child. Like really? And I know he sees it too, but he just can't say, wow, what a jerk, you know, like I'm thinking in my head, but that's the stuff that I just wish people that didn't have a special needs child um, or someone on the spectrum in their lives, that they would read books like ours to understand our perspective, like what we see when we look at you, you know, we look to the neurotypical people in first day of school, um, touring and seeing their teachers for the first time and all that stuff what it's like for us. And maybe they would help you get to the front of the line and let you meet your teacher and go, you know, instead of being cruel. So I don't know, that's my soapbox, but I just, I get so frustrated when it doesn't directly impact someone. So they're like, they just turn a blind eye to it and are dismissive of it. Well, that's why I have that like chapter in there about the Senator who's voted against disability services and then found out later his, he needed it it for his wife. And Mm -hmm. It's like uh, he was quoted saying something like, well, who cares if they learn to drink from a cup? And it's like, well, I'm sure that sure changed when you're anyone is one accident away from disability. Jess says anyone. that all the time. I know it. Yep. I, I, I didn't even think about that until later. I'm here. I'm focused on my child. But if my husband got in an accident, I'd be care to, you know, his caretaker, too. And I mean, yep. nobody is immune to <laughs> needing services yeah. of some kind. So. Well, it's still seen as like just being such a drain. It's like, mm-hmm. my kid's not a drain. He's not a drain in the economy. He's awesome. Like, it's like, don't see us as a negative. That's if I mm-hmm. could change that. It's like, don't see disability as a negative word mm-hmm. or autism or, and we have an uphill battle for that, I think. And yeah. I don't know how to fix that. I don't either. <laughs> we just gotta yeah, keep we can't. advocating I'll, I'll loudly and yeah. taking the backlash. I don't know. Well, I mm-hmm. am just, I'm thrilled that you wrote your book. Finally, it feels like finally. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm glad someone approached you and made you do it because um, yeah. <laughs> it, the, I think the world is a much better place with, with you and Cooper in it and um, sharing all your experiences. And we love Jamie too. So he probably doesn't get as much notoriety. <laughs> well, and he hasn't you guys. read the book yet. He hasn't read he it. Hasn't? So we'll be, no. Whoa. I know. But he did sign off on legal, so I can't be sued. <laughs> That's very funny. Oh, he, he's sweet in it. You know, there's nothing bad. I, yeah. uh, One of the people that interviewed me was like, you showed both of your, your faults and your, your mistakes and your weaknesses. I was like, I I hope to, I mean, I made a lot of mistakes too. Yeah. Figuring out this hard, complicated thing. His were just bigger. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Thank you so much, Kate. I love talking to you. Um, and I appreciate you. Uh, you guys make sure if you didn't pre-order, I don't know why, but if you didn't pre-order Forever Boy, um, it is now uh, available on Amazon and um, an Audible, Kindle, and hardcover, right? Mm-hmm. And if you want to go to a store, Barnes & Noble has it. And if you're in Boom. Minnesota, I'm going to sneak in there and sign all the copies. So Justin Timberlake did that. You should do I that. I know, in Minnesota, <laughs> at our Target. I don't think I'll make Target, but <laughs> I don't think I'll, my book will be in there, but... That's awesome. Well, congratulations on being an author. It's, it's awesome. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Well, take care. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Living the Sky Life and we'll tune in for the next episode coming soon. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Living the Sky Life podcast 
within Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play, so you'll receive alerts when new episodes are released. Subscribing is the best way to ensure you don't miss a single episode. If you like what you hear, be sure to select the five-star rating, provide feedback, and share Living the Skylife with others. Thanks again for listening.